Yakshamash. You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies. And usually the movies we talk about are ones we announced before, but this one is coming in, coming at you out of order because we are recording this the day after the movie Borat's subsequent movie film has just released on Amazon. So that's what this one's going to be about. We're going to talk about Borat 2. Uh, this movie is... Honestly, hard to spoil. I know I say that a lot, but like this movie is more a collection of scenes than an actual plot, but there is a plot. So we do avoid spoilers until uh, there's a spoiler warning like half an hour in or so. Anyway, you will hear it. So if you're worried about this movie being spoiled for you, uh, we do have a spoiler warning. Um, Also, speaking of that, it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about the first one. So most of the stuff pre-spoiler warning is comparing this and the first movie. So... Uh, hopefully you have watched both of these before you're listening to this, but if not, uh, it should be fine. So here is Borat 2, and you are going to hear just the two of us, the cover of the Bill Withers song by Romanian band Fanfare. I don't know how to pronounce this. I think it's Chio Charlia. Uh, this is the end credits song from the from Borat 2. So here it is. This is just the two of us. I see the crystal raindrops fall And the beauty of it all Is when the sun comes shining through To make those rainbows in my mind Then I sing of you sometime And I wanna spend some time with you Come on Just the two of us We can make it if we try Just the two of us Just the two of us Yagshamash, this is uh, Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the show where we talk about movies that came out in 2020. And um, I think this movie is, the movie we got today is like the South Park of movies. It was basically created almost entirely in 2020. I think there's a couple of scenes that were shot in 2019, but like, honestly, I'm not even sure if they made it to, uh, if they made it into the movie. We should probably provide Mm. a bit of context for this. The the movie we're going to be talking about today Uh, You will have heard us hyping it up in a bunch of future episodes because we're expediting this one's release. Uh, The movie we're talking about today is Borat Borat Subsequent Movie Film. Delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime to make benefit once glorious nation of of Kazakhstan. Um, This is the new Borat movie that released on Amazon Prime as of recording for as of this recording literally yesterday. Uh... Pierre, did you? I mean, I, I'm. I think I can. I know the answer to this move to this question. Uh, did you watch this movie? Yes, I did. It was a very. It was a. I guess a long-awaited sequel that I didn't really know I wanted until I. I guess I saw an ad for it, and I've been pretty excited. I guess I. I realized it was coming out like what last week, two weeks ago. Um. So yeah, I've been pretty. I was pretty hyped to watch it, and uh, I guess I saw it opening night, basically. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I remember, like, no one, 
to my knowledge, no one knew this movie was coming until like in June. I saw on Reddit someone posted like footage taken by a McDonald's worker of a of a guy that looked kind of like Borat driving through the drive-through. And by the time that footage went viral, like the news was Borat 2 has been screened for industry execs. And that was just that that was the first news of this movie. So it was made almost entirely in secret, which is pretty impressive considering how well the first one did. Yeah, I, I was I, I can't believe he I, I that's so cool that he he was basically like, yeah, I have the movie uh all filmed and we're we're just looking to release it. I think that was like the first official news that came out about it. So Yeah. That's I mean I guess I guess in this type of movie you to to announce filming ahead of time kind of defeats a lot it might defeat a lot of the purpose yeah. of what they're trying to do. But also like that's that's just like it's a really cool marketing move in that you would never uh, for like ninety nine percent of movies this would this type of thing would never happen. Well, and it's more and it's even more impressive for this one, because like announcing anything that even sounded like they might be making this movie would have defe- defeated the purpose of this movie, since it's um, the whole point is to go up to people who don't know they're being filmed for Borat 2 and get their and, and get their reactions. Yeah, which which is definitely, I think, a huge part of what made the comedy work, at least in the first one. Mm hmm um yeah do we want to talk a little bit about like the first movie and sort of why we were excited for this movie um yeah so i guess the the first one was honestly i it 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 is one of the funniest if not the funniest movie of of the the 2000s and maybe even like i i could even like toss in the the 2010s as well potentially honestly okay i'm not gonna now that i think about it's probably one of the funniest movies of all time now that i actually think about it um i might be biased in terms of like i i think it really fits the type of humor i enjoy personally so like because obviously humor is very uh subjective mm-hmm. to a lot of people so um yeah so i i mean i think it was a huge cultural like moment almost in that it was a very unique type of movie and um i think it i think it really blew a lot of people away in terms of how unique the the comedy was um and and it really shot shot sasha baron cohen up to to uh i guess more uh, like main pop culture relevancy if that makes yeah, sense yeah he was like he was known he had a tv show before that and he had been in other things but like when borat came out that made him a household name and to this day like that's still easily the most successful thing he's ever done for sure yeah and i honestly it's kind of sad to say but it's by far the best thing he's been known for still to this day um, up until borat which i guess is why this like this is his first sequel Mm -hmm. i guess so uh it kind of makes sense and i guess given the current political climate he saw it he saw it fit for a for a sequel which, which is have, very rare in comedy, in my opinion. Like, well, it's very, yeah, it's rare. And also uh, it has, it's, Borat is a movie that seems really hard to make a sequel to because the first movie he's going around basically undercover to just get reactions from people. And then Borat was such a huge success 
that he it is impossible for him to do that exact same movie again. So like, no, but beyond that, because his whole point was just to sort of kind of show what American like show what Americans are like behind closed doors with foreigners, essentially. And that sounds worse than it actually is. <laughs> or it sounds worse in a different way than it is, I guess. But he he did that in one movie and there's kind of no point for a second one. So up until this year, I would not have, I wouldn't have known like what Borat two could even be about. Yeah. I, I, I I'm not going to lie. Like when I see something like this, it's, it feels very much like a clickbaity thing, but, or like one of those, uh, like un, it's just an unnecessary sequel. Right. Mm hmm because uh, the first one was just so original in, ter in terms of like what it brought and it hasn't really been replicated since as nearly as well uh, from what I can tell right so I, like it's a very ballsy move to do but I mean like I, I could see I, I respect Sasha Baron Cohen as like an artist mm -hmm. um, and I my my thoughts were were very positive when I saw it because I, I felt like if he was going to do a sequel it would have it would have to make sense for him. Yeah. And um, I guess for further context, I think the main difference between this first one and the second, or this, uh, between the first Borat and Borat subsequent movie film is that uh, this one is a lot more um, transparently political than the first one. And that's, and I, I think it's even maybe wrong to say that it's more political in general. But like in the first one, he's going around to, you know, he has scenes with just a Jewish family in an inn uh, or like where he goes. There's a deleted scene where he just goes to a grocery store and puts the guy and puts one of the people that works in the grocery store in an awkward situation. Um, so it's more like he's putting people sort of randomly into awkward situations. And this one, it does feel a little more uh, manicured to be more than to be to, to skew towards uh, putting people in politically awkward situations, I would say. Yeah, I honestly like I think that's a that that's because uh, on like the movie is is that concept. It, it kind of <laughs> takes the originals intention of it's more like a fish out of water thing yeah and and it uses the 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 realistic reactions as like its main is main piece of comedy right like how people react to the situation yeah whereas this one was much because I'm, I'm not sure i think i haven't seen cohen's uh recent show where he kind of does the same shtick uh but it's 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 also very politically driven um i don't know what it's called either who is america it was America. Yeah. So that that was kind of um, I guess that might have been a hint of like he wanted to try this again. But I I just I don't like it. And I don't I don't like that concept of uh, politicizing that initial the initial thing, because then it everything feels too forced, in my opinion. And it's a I, very fine line of for the comedy. I think that is sort of this movie's biggest weakness too is you say it feels forced and i think that it feels forced where it does because he has to sort of the situations that he has to set up end up being a lot more contrived like in order to he wants to get a meeting with michael pence 
in order to get a meeting with Michael Pence, what he does is he goes to a Trump 2020 rally, um, but he can't go in as Borat. So he goes in as a he goes in in Ku Klux Klan robes, goes to the bathroom, dresses up in a very, very good, like very clearly expensive Donald Trump suit. Uh, and then like runs into the convention, runs into the uh, into the rally in his Trump suit and yells at Pence, which like there's a lot of steps to get there. Yeah. So it's already sort of a very it's a contrived situation. And I think that scene works, but it doesn't work as well as like um, in the first movie. Uh, well, in the first movie, there's scenes where he'll just sort of like, well, it doesn't work as well as like, say, the the scene in the first movie where he's picked up by a bunch of frat guys and just like has a conversation with them because that's more or less something that just happened. Yeah, I though that's the thing. It's like I when I, I guess context kind of matters in this because every time when I was watching this movie, I was like every every scene Borat is put in isn't necessarily like oh he's like due to his actions he's kind of catching people off guard and they're not entirely sure how to react right whereas this was much more like it felt like he was actively trying to bait certain scenarios out of people yeah actions and like i i've seen i think it's like this is a technique i've seen a lot in like these recent uh like for example like i think the daily show with John Stewart, right? And like the Colbert Report, uh, very politically charged shows that featured like journalism in a similar vein where the reporters were kind of out on a mission to catch or kind of like draw out controversial opinions mm-hmm. and awkward statements from politicians, right? Mm-hmm. And and that I think that's fine in that context because that like the the foundation of that show is it's it's very relevant to it but this was just more it just felt awkward i don't know like it's like they were trying they're kind of waiting for a certain for that situation to happen because i because in a lot of these cases too it was just like this because the same it was the same type of humor over and over again which was look how messed up these right-wing people are essentially mm-hmm. and the unfortunately like that's that's not a very original idea anymore. This is this in the past four years, this this type of humor has been done to death so many times. Right. And um, even like I'm 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 much more of a left wing person, but I think it's very cheap humor. And I don't really think it's even constructive in terms of political uh, pol- as, as a political statement either. So it kind of fits in this odd middle section where we're not really learning anything new. And it's kind of taking these bad pot, these lame pot shots at, at unsuspecting people. And it doesn't feel right because now it's more Sasha Baron Cohen's a famous dude that's that's trying to make fun of uh, people that don't agree with him politically, I guess. And I guess, and, yeah, I would say that in general, he tends to be fairly good at that. Like as much as this is a type of comedy that's been done to death, he'd be really good on like the daily show. He's good at getting that. But on the other hand, like I do think the strongest scenes in this movie are the ones that are um, not explicitly political in nature. 
Yeah. They're the ones that are a little, even if they're contrived, they're getting more genuine reactions that aren't like baited. Yeah. Honestly, like honestly, like the first five or 10 minutes of this movie were like, I, I felt like it really captured the magic of the first one. And that, uh, like that scene where he is, he got the new phone, right? And he's like <laughs> trying to figure it out. <laughs> and he gets, he gets, uh, what he, he he realizes he can watch porn on his phone and then he just takes the phone into the bathroom immediately and he's but still connected like, to the tv though yeah it's like connected as a demo on the tv so the guy who is selling it to him can see the porn he's watching <laughs> like, yeah. that, that that's hilarious and it's not like i love that because he's not really he's he's not really lobbying like he's not really making fun of the the phone salesman right in mm -hmm. terms of the phone salesman's just doing his job right and Borat's kind of the butt of the joke. Not even the butt of that joke, but it's just, it's a funny situation, right? Yeah. And I think it that that scene like epitomizes what a lot of the the scenes in the first one tried to follow in that it's Borat trying to figure his way out in this in this world. And he he uh like the the culture clash of it is really is really funny to see no matter what. Mm -hmm. And um that but honestly, like after that. It, it becomes very again yeah very politically charged and there's there's a lot of situations that were funny at first that i really liked like there's a scene i believe it's like in the first third where they're talking about how uh his, what he gets his daughter like um a muffin with like a doll on it and she accidentally eats the the doll and mm -hmm. they go to the the doctor and they're like oh like she has my baby or something like that in her belly Right, and that scene was really good up until it, it it felt like it became very obvious they were making a statement on, uh, what plan like the Planned Parenthood. Uh, well, uh, they didn't actually go to a doctor. They went to a crisis. I don't know exactly what it was called, but basically they went to a a place that has essentially a pastor who's supposed to convince you not to get an abortion. Yeah. Okay. So like. That that's when the scene kind of fell flat for me is because it like when they were sitting in the office, it was funny, but it also felt like they were waiting. Like the 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 dialogue they set out to do was in, intentionally uh made so that they could draw out the fact that the doctor doesn't seem to care about like about rape, essentially was is what they were trying to say there. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't feel it's more like it felt more like a situation of they were trying to shock the audience, be like, wow, like, I can't believe the doctor didn't immediately call the police and like report rape or something like that, rather than this is a funny situation because it's really awkward that they aren't communicating what they're trying to say properly and the doctor doesn't understand. Right. So, um, yeah. Do you want to, well, I guess like just to sort of may maybe not to, quite finish it off but i would say like the main difference between i think the scenes that don't work well here are i mean we've said enough about why they don't work and whatever but i think it sort of boils down to scenes like that end up feeling kind of mean-spirited just because mm -hmm. they're they're like trying to entrap these people basically and the scenes that work and the reason the first movie works as well as it does is because like most of that doesn't feel like he's out to get these people. It feels like he's just trying to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you said, in that situation in the van, in the first one where he or he he gets picked up and he's like 
they're it's like a motorhome or a trailer and he's hanging out with them Frat boys from usc yeah yeah that was an insanely that was a crazy scene because there's no way they could have planned that out right that was that felt mm-hmm. completely organic and, and also yeah. as i'm watching that like it seems kind of like if you if you watch sasha baron cohen in that scene he's like taken aback by everything they're saying like he goes in and he's like hey, and and he tells them i am off to find pamela anderson and they start just like immediately immediately go off talking about how women how women are property they don't respect them and how they wish we had slaves which he never prompted yeah it was it was very organic (laughs) yeah so for better or worse i I think that's much that's much better so but i mean i guess also I, i don't that might not have been the point of this movie it felt very obvious that they were trying to uh, or Sasha Baron Cohen was trying to say something too. So yeah, I guess I, it's not, it wasn't his artistic vision. I will say Sasha Baron Cohen uh, has been quite vocally political after he got quite vocally political after Borat. I don't I would assume he's always been political, at least to some degree. Yeah. But like over the last couple of years, he's gone from, uh, com- he's gone from like c- political in the way that, somewhat political comedians are to being an activist which is cool but also like he his style of what he's trying to do with his comedy is definitely changing for sure yeah which is like i understand i guess that's the reason he made the second one too like he saw he saw a way he could uniquely use the 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 way he filmed the first one in like a, a different context Mm-hmm. and it, it it would be more fresh but um yeah I, I guess that kind of encapsulates what i didn't like about because honestly like it, it was well made in terms of i think there was it it had like similar skill behind it if that makes sense like the, yeah. it was there it's just like the the goal was different so um yeah i i don't i and it was like personally not what i enjoyed but uh also like i i guess just quickly, I think that type of humor really dates the movie. Um, and I, I don't know if it had much of a choice, but because because of Corona and stuff, too. I think they were filming in the middle of filming Corona. The coronavirus outbreak started really happening. But this movie will not will feel extremely dated in like five, ten years. And I, honestly, it felt dated while I was watching it, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no like the, the original Borat is in my opinion, like a timeless, like masterpiece, whereas this one probably, yeah, won't, won't, won't be the same at all. Um, you know, normally, normally in these episodes, we summarize the movie early on and it's not that we forgot to do that in this one, but I think that summarizing this movie, uh, illustrates a lot of what I thought it did. There are a few things I thought it did better than the first one, and I think the best way to start that conversation is by summarizing what this movie's about. And like, do you want me to do that, Pierre? Or yeah, can I? Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> so so the, the, main, the main conceit of this movie is that 14 years ago, which is also when Borat came out, 14 years ago in universe, Borat came out and was a huge hit in the States, but made Kazakhstan the laughingstock of the world, which both of those things are true, but they're slightly exaggerated. Anyway, uh, in Kazakhstan, Borat has been like, he, he's been confined to the gulag for the rest of his life. And uh, 
you know, he can never, he can never work again. But then 14 years later, after the, after the United States is destroyed by Barack Obama, he uh, is called back to get the premier of Kazakhstan, uh, Nurzultan Nabayev, I forgot his name. He was the actual president of Kazakhstan up until last year anyway. Um, he's called in by the premier of Kazakhstan to uh, go to the U.S. on a mission to bring a monkey as a present to Mike Pence so that he can get into Trump's good books. And then uh, the premier of Kazakhstan can be Trump's friend, like the um, because Trump is friends with powerful people. So that's the point. But then when they get to the States, uh, the monkey has been eaten by Borat's daughter. And so Borat changes to give his daughter to Mike Pence and then later on to Rudy Giuliani for that same purpose. Um, and the movie kind of follows those two as they uh, try to, as they basically travel from Texas to New York in order to do that. And um, it's kind of a, uh, it's the, the main like subplot of the movie is Borat sort of connecting with his daughter. Yeah. Uh, and most of the movie is various stunts. So like, did I, did I miss anything important? No, that's, it's, yeah, it's a relatively simple plot. Kind of, kind of like the first one, the, the first one had a very straightforward plot with just a lot of hijinks. I would say though that um, in the first one, and this this is fine because it works to the first one's strengths. The plot is way more freeform. Like the plot ends up being Borat going to the United States to try and steal Pamela Anderson and bring her back to Kazakhstan, and that just kind of like um, that's just sort of the culmination of different things that happen while they're in the states. So it's more of an improvisational plot. Yeah, because the whole point of that movie is just to like set up these scenes and get reactions. Yeah, and the plot is just sort of there to move them from scene to scene. In this one, um, it feels like the plot is more important. Like the the story structure of Borat Two is more central to this movie because, um, which I guess feels right if this is a movie that's like specifically trying to say something. It's not that it's specifically trying to say something about the relationship between a father and its and his daughter. It's just that if it has a specific goal in mind, it's a lot harder to do that improvisational plot. And I think that is one of the big strengths of this movie is that it does sort of adhere to this uh, to to that to sort of a relatively straightforward plot and that. Yes, I I do think that was one of the 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 strengths. Um, in terms of like, I, I like, I don't think it was f as funny, but there was some clever, heartfelt moments, I guess, that mm -hmm. I, I actually really bought into, despite knowing like how ridiculous the whole thing is. The the Borat bonding with his daughter thing was was a cute plot. Um, I I could tell again with Corona that it it was kind of detract detract in a lot of ways, at least like about two thirds of the way through. Um, but like they had a, a specifically like okay do do you, do you have the page up do you, what's the daughter's uh the actress's name uh the actress's name oh I just had it uh the actress's name is Maria Bakalova Maria Bakalova she is excellent and this is basic I want to if she if she had more screen time this was basically her movie and that she was very um she was very very impressive considering 
Um, I guess for the most part, I don't, I haven't seen her in anything before, but she, she displayed some really, really good um, acting chops, especially in terms of navigating a lot of these, these scenes in general. It, it seemed like it would be very, very stressful because I think her, her scenes from what I could tell were definitely like a lot harder to pull off if that makes sense. Well, and I think that, I mean, this movie obviously would not have worked without her, but like, I it definitely wouldn't have worked without her because I think that she, the beauty of her scenes is that she is a complete unknown, except apparent, except potentially in Bulgaria where she's from and has had a couple of roles, but even there she's like not a huge superstar yet. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she is a complete unknown, so she's able to like she can fill the role that Sasha Baron Cohen was able to fill in Borat because no one has even a chance of recognizing her. Um, so her scenes end up coming across. She has a lot more scenes that elicit like organic real reactions because she kind of doesn't have to work as hard for them. Yeah, that makes sense. Like there was the, or it had to dress up a lot of the time to, uh, in order to make sure that he wasn't discovered, I guess, in a lot of the scenes, but, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, her her presence was really good. Like, I there's wait, are we? Can we talk about spoilers at all, or should we avoid that right now? I mean, honestly, now that we've now that we've summarized um, what the movie is about, at this point, I think like the only thing we can talk about is spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so here's your spoiler warning if you made it this far. There's there's a scene where they're at this weird social party like high class social party a debutante ball yeah i don't really understand what was going on there but it seemed kind of weird um anyways they they do she does like or her and borat do this like what was it mate mating dance not mating dance it was like fertility dance was that what it was called yeah so it was really just (laughs) it was really hard to it was hilarious but really really hard to watch as well but she like because she she basically had the hardest part in that um, she was on what she was on her period right or something yeah and like she shows it all she, yeah, she she really does so that like I I can't imagine doing that in front of a crowd uh it's it's probably like the like the biggest the biggest stunt I've seen in both movies I want to say like in terms of I don't think. Like I wouldn't say it's the funniest thing I've seen, but like it was definitely the the most uncomfortable any of these movies have made me feel mm-hmm. in terms of how crazy it was. But it, like stuff like that, like honestly, props for like being able to do that and not like uh, breaking character, if that makes sense. Because that that was an insane sequence. Yeah, that was I I yeah I guess exactly the same. I have no idea how they didn't break for that. Yeah. So. She, yeah, she was great. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot more heartfelt moments in the movie as well. There's there's a couple characters. Um, specifically, there's there's one that babysits the daughter, whose name I can't remember. The daughter's name is Tutar. Tutar. Uh, the person that babysits her is Janice Jones, who is like Janice Jones is one of the greatest human beings I've ever seen. Yeah, she's so sweet. She she's basically. Like I don't know how they how they did it because she I could tell she wasn't really acting right, but it felt like she was kind of guided to say certain things almost right because a lot of her dialogue was seemed very integral 
int to like pulling off the the plot and the character arc of Tutar. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, she was she was a really like she had a lot of heartwarming moments in the movie, and so did uh, uh Borat. There's a scene where Bor Borat goes to a synagogue. If, if is that correct? I believe it's a synagogue. Yes. Yeah, and he meets two uh, Jewish ladies there, and they they he's like. <laughs> He's there because he's hoping the Jews will kill him or something with their Jew poison. And they they are the sweetest ladies I I feel like I will ever see in a in a at least in a comedy movie. Mm -hmm. Um they just they like they kind of ignore all the, the wacky stuff that he's trying to do and they just sit him down and talk to him so genuinely. And that that's like just a really sweet moment. And uh that moment specifically, uh so that moment specifically addresses like one of the other points that this movie wants to get across. This movie says a lot about a lot of things. And one of the things that it's trying to get across is like, it's trying to say stuff about Holocaust denial. So in the very beginning, uh, they say that Kazakhstan, one of Kazakhstan's greatest holidays is uh, the yearly celebration of the Holocaust. <laughs> um, and anyway, uh, before this scene where he goes to the synagogue, Tutar has just been introduced to Facebook, which is the book that always tells the truth. And um, she says that she read on Facebook that the Holocaust didn't even happen, which like crushes Borat because he, the Holocaust is the biggest event in his country's history as far as he's concerned. So he goes to the synagogue and as he's talking with them, he like talks about the fact that the Holocaust didn't happen and they reassure him that the Holocaust did happen and talk to him about, like, you know, the Holocaust. And that, like, re-energizes him because, in fact, the Holocaust did happen. And now uh, it, it means that not everything in his life was a lie, which is a very weird. <laughs> it's a weird way to make that emotional beat hit, but it does it really, really well. Yeah, honestly, I think it's kind of genius that 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 turnaround of like, because now you have us feeling happy for Borat because he's the realizing the Holocaust happened, and that's like the the midpoint turn where he goes from like I think that's his what that's how he recovers from his like second second act slump, I guess. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's really cool, and I I think these these moments um I think they're nice because it contrasts the kind of very pessimistic tone that the overall movie takes on people. Yeah. And um, also it, it's just it, what it's what helps this movie feel unique from the last movie and that it might not be as funny, but at least they're, they're adding a little more in terms of uh, emotions, which is uh which was really smart. And I, I don't necessarily like it more, but it, it did. I think it saved the movie in some, in this movie in some ways. I think that the, I think that the first movie would not be possible to follow up with the same kind of movie again. And yeah. so I think that the fact that this movie is more structured, um, that's just how the movie is. And they know that it's more structured and they play into it very well. Yeah, so that that stuff is is really smart for Sasha Baron Cohen to do. Um, I can't specifically think of anything else. It's a pretty like basic movie, I guess. the 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 COVID stuff. It was very obvious they were going a different route with the movie overall. Well, I kind COVID of happened. 
I do kind of wonder, I've seen people speculate online that this may not have originally been planned as a Borat movie, but instead this might have been uh, just the beginning of season two of Who is America? Because in Who is America, he like has a bunch of different characters and he goes around heavily dressed up as these characters to get reactions from people. Yeah. And there's several scenes in this movie. I mean, in this movie, the premise is that Borat has to dress up. So like he ends up kind of being in that similar situation sometimes where he's dressed up as a character that if he wanted to, could be not Borat. And then um, he's, you know, getting situated. He's, he's get putting himself into situations. So I've heard people speculate that this might have originally been planned as season two of Who is America? And then as they were filming and COVID started happening, they sort of pivoted into that instead. I mean, and it's I, clear that this movie did change when COVID started. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, there was a couple scenes maybe where, um, like, I think when he goes into the speech, where the, the speech Mike Pence is making, um, we never, he doesn't use his accent and we don't see his face at all in that scene, right? And uh, I don't think we see the daughter's face either, right? We don't yeah. see the daughter's face in that scene. Uh, we don't see his face because he's dressed up as Donald Trump. And he does use his accent a little bit, but not very much. Like, the premise of that scene is that he's supposed to be, as Borat, putting on an accent anyway. So, like, he doesn't do as good of a Donald Trump impression as he probably could. And then there's one time where he actually gets punched in the face in that scene where he completely breaks into just Sasha Baron Cohen, no accent, no anything. Yeah. So, I mean, that that scene potentially I could see recycled, especially because they, they might have even just overdubbed the, the dialogue yeah. in some parts to, to maybe change it a little more. So, yeah. And there was definitely um, parts at the end where you could tell, like, the... The, the some of the return to Kazakhstan stuff at the very end was very obviously filmed on like a set and not there. Mm -hmm. So, but okay, well, yes, yeah, so yeah, like a lot of the Corona stuff, it looks like they had to refilm some stuff for the ending in a lot of ways. But I guess they kind of still got what they wanted. Also, like there there was an odd absence of the the his daughter to Tutar, right? Mm -hmm. She was not because she had a very she was basically the main character, I want to say, up until like two thirds of the way into the movie where she basically disappears. And yeah. like, I get that that's part of the plot, but also like it did feel really weird. Well, I wonder if they're going to release a lot of the deleted scenes from this movie, because while while she was gone, she was kind of on a real undercover mission to like infiltrate an actual right wing news media site. Because she did actually get, um, she did actually do interviews with uh, with uh, Patriot News, I think, like oh, an wow. actual right wing site. I don't know that she did very many of them, but like she actually did infiltrate this site and do interviews in character. Yeah. So I wonder if they're going to release any of those, or if you can find any of those even. Yeah, that could be interesting. Um, I, I would like to see because I, I feel like especially once they once once corona happened like the movie really lost track of what it was trying to do like they 
they had they had, like it felt like they were I don't want to say like the Rudy Giuliani thing at the end was very odd. Uh like the interview in terms of like like I get I get that they established that that was kind of the goal from the start or from mm-hmm. at least like after the Mike Pence thing was we're going to sell you to Rudy Giuliani or marry you to Rudy Giuliani. But the whole interview, I don't know. It didn't feel very Borat-y at all. And I don't know why, but it might've been because of the context too, because I feel like like a hundred percent that interview, they, they were really, really trying to bait stuff out of it and look for a reaction from Giuliani. Right. And, and honestly, I think they got most of what they were going for. I think that so currently, as we're as we're talking, there is a lot of discussion about the Rudy Giuliani scene online. And like, I think almost all of the discussion misses what is actually crazy about that scene because they get him to say, like, yeah, I would eat a bat with you or, uh, you know, give me your address and I'll come by your house and a bunch of like crazy stuff about the coronavirus as well like they get him to say a lot of really dumb things which maybe isn't so hard but still like they get him to say basically everything they're going for but it does seem very baity i guess yeah like it again if this was like an interview for like the daily show or something this this would have been great right but it felt a little off mark especially for like such a for a relatively plot driven movie this time right mm-hmm. it was more this was trying this was trying like this the scene was like its own scene and they were trying to sell the movie or make a big statement from that scene alone if that makes sense and like the whole climactic subplot was a little was kind of shoved in there to kind of like tie the movie together but it's almost like the whole time like they were the whole movie was made for this interview if that makes sense yeah just, and i think yeah. that with how much they're building up to that interview, ignore, ignoring the discussion online and how hyped that interview is, as much as they're building up to it within the movie, I think it kind of ends up coming across as a little disappointing because, like, they're building it up to be this major, major, major meeting. And, I, and like, at the end, the, we don't actually even see the interview. And it's... and even the scene that is attached to this part of the movie is kind of cut off almost prematurely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I could like, it might've been, mm, I don't really know, but I I agree in that as a movie, I really like, honestly, if, if they, if this became a scene where like Rudy Giuliani, like ends up like outing himself or something and losing his career over it, this movie would end up being like legendary in Mm -hmm. that, it was made and then like the climactic moment was like it literally like destroyed a politician's career and like that would be like that i i guess that would at least give all the all all the all the build up towards that moment in terms of uh looking at right wing culture right it would give it it would give it like some kind of real climax if that makes sense but yeah the interview like like i get there was some there was some kind of messed up stuff said but it was just it just felt more awkward if anything it was a very awkward moment i didn't really find it funny at all i didn't laugh except I, for like borat running in with a thong was kind of uh was kind of humorous but like overall it was just like it just felt creepy i also got to wonder in that scene cuz he set up that fake interview and we see 
the prep for the interview and we see the aftermath of the interview, but we never actually see the interview. And in the context of the movie, for the story of the movie, it's not that important. But like, why don't we see that interview? And to me, um, one, I'm interested. I'm just genuinely interested in what that interview was. If it was uh, clearly it wasn't impressive or they would have included it. But to me, I wonder sort of, it kind of sets out the way that this movie is put together and the climactic scene with Rudy Giuliani. To me, it sounds like they had set out to somehow talk to Donald Trump and tank his career. But when that didn't work out, they set out to talk to Michael Pence and tank his career. And when that didn't pan out, they decided to do it with Rudy Giuliani. And that sort of worked and still didn't pan out the way I feel like they would have wanted. Yeah, it was like the closest thing they could get. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't. Plus, I don't first I don't really care like about Rudy Giuliani. I don't know how much he's just he's Trump's lawyer, right? He doesn't yeah. have he doesn't have much power in the current administration. Well, I think the the main issue with that scene that like has people concerned is they're basically showing Ru- Rudy Giuliani being honeypotted by someone who is clearly setting him up. And so Rudy Giuliani doesn't necessarily have that much power within the administration, but because he's Trump's lawyer, he has access to a lot of potentially secret information. So they're showing that he can very easily be fooled. And if he can be fooled like that by a Bulgarian actress and Sasha Baron Cohen, who else could he have got? Who else could he have gotten honeypotted by or fooled by? So that's like the real concern with that scene. It's more speculative of like, oh, well, if it was this easy to pull the wool over this guy's eyes, who else has already done it? And who else? Yeah, that's which like that's not nothing, but it's also far from career tanking. Yeah. And it's not really what the movie was intending to at least what it first intended to display. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, I just say, I guess it's a it's a decent follow up. I'm happy with it, Hmm. but it was pretty underwhelming. And I probably this is a movie I'd I'd probably end up watching again. I would say um, I think this movie is about as good as it could have been. Like, I don't know how you make a Borat sequel any better than this. I kind of hope that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen can eventually make like a Borat spiritual successor. I don't know exactly what it would be, but another movie that captures the lightning in a bottle that was the first Borat movie, Um, because he's tried a few times and like, it's just, it never works quite as well. And he always has to, and he has to work increasingly hard for it, which like Borat, Borat worked as well as it did because like, it seems like the best scenes of that were basically given to him. Yeah, sure. That movie did have a budget and he didn't make it for nothing. But like the best scenes in that movie just happen and he barely had to do anything to make them happen. And in every movie he's done since, there's a lot of buildup. And while that doesn't while it's still impressive, you know, it suffers every everything that makes it even a little less organic does makes every does make scenes suffer just a little bit. I feel that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the or the best thing about this is that it doesn't ruin the first one in any way for me. No, not at all. 
I I can still watch the first one and be and and be totally in love with it. So yeah, I guess like you know, it's I'm not I'm not unhappy. Sasha decided to do this. He hasn't really, he hasn't, in my opinion, he hasn't really done much, uh, at least lately, that I really cared about. Anyways, um, I've, I haven't been a big fan of like his latest uh, directorial efforts, if that makes sense. So directed stuff recently or not maybe not directed but wrote I, the last one i can think of is the dictator which i didn't really like that much and then also i heard the brothers grimsby i don't know if he directed that one but um wasn't that well received either so or it's called grimsby grimsby okay no he didn't write it he wrote them he didn't direct them so oh, okay so yeah but i don't know could could be cool i don't it, it's an all right movie and I'd probably give it maybe like a uh, like a six out of ten, I'd say. I'll go six or six point five. I think it is a solid movie, and like I definitely recommend it. It is not, it's not as effortlessly good as the first one, um, but I think it knows that it can't be the first one, and I think that it plays into that pretty well, considering. Yeah, makes sense. Um. Yeah, this this episode is airing out of order, so I'm not going to tell you what we're doing next because it's probably trolls or something. It's probably something that we've already recorded and already t- and already teased, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this one came in. So I don't know. I guess you're going to find out next week. Wow, so exciting, uh, Jeff. What's the last word? Uh, it's nice. <laughs>